And then we figured, well, maybe if we got like $60 a day, we'd be able to pay our rent and then we could shut the doors. And the first day that we did that, there were all these men lined up waiting for us to get there with money in their hands. They were dying for licorice. From Grindstone, this is Nebraska Made, a narrative journey through the lives of Nebraska's most inspiring business leaders. We unpack the intimate details of how our guests navigated obstacles and built their companies in pursuit of the good life. I'm JT Martin, and today we hear from Elizabeth Erlinson, published author and the founder of Nebraska's beloved candy shop, Licorice International. Our guest today, Elizabeth Erlinson, has lived an exciting life. From a self-proclaimed hippie in the 60s to the founder of a successful online candy store, she has a lot of stories to tell. When you talk to her, you get a sense of her curiosity and excitement, which is probably what has led to much of her success here in Nebraska. I was born in Philadelphia in 1950, and I grew up in a very typical neighborhood I was really studious. I was the total perfect student. If there was a project to be done, I was on it, and I had to have an A or an A+. And um, I think that studiousness has stayed with me my whole life. Wow, so you loved organized education and yes, everything. Yes, and I read everything I could. I read every biography that was geared towards my age group. I wanted to be famous. I wanted to be somebody who did something of note. Did you know what you wanted to do oh, back absolutely, then? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I wanted to be a famous writer. That was all I ever wanted to be. And so from the time I was seven, I would keep journals. I'd write poems and stories. And my mother would save them all and say they were wonderful. And I was sure I was going to be a great writer. That's great. And had business even crossed your mind? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, I was talking to my dad. My dad is 96. And I was talking to him last night on the telephone. And I told him about the podcast. And I said, you know, Daddy, I've been thinking about the stories I'm going to tell. And you figure into it. And he said, well, how's that, honey? And I said, well, you know, you were the original vending machine. And my dad worked for the government before they had vending machines. Well, my dad would go to this wholesale candy place and snack place, and he would buy all these snacks and candy bars, put them in his desk, and then the people in his office would come and buy the candy from him. And he would make a little extra money that way. So I would go to the wholesale candy place with him and help him pick out all the candy. So. I thought that was really cool. You could buy something for three cents and sell it for 10 cents. Just think of that. That was really fun. Yeah. Business was kind of, it was kind of in your blood. Like storytelling really kind of captured your imagination, but just the idea of how economics worked really kind of captivated you as well. Well, yeah, making money because we were poor. I, you know, I just think that uh, there was just like a real sense of the world was my oyster. I could do anything I wanted. I really grew up with a real sense of self-confidence. And I think that has really uh, been a wonderful gift that my parents gave to me. Wow. That's amazing. And so so you went to Temple University to study English, English I assume. 
I graduated from Temple with a degree in English lit. I was kind of like on the edge of being a hippie. And um, I traveled all through Europe with a backpack and on the train and did that by myself. Um, and then um, I decided I might as well go see my parents in Saudi Arabia. And so I got a job there. I worked in a hospital for a year and a half. So I kind of look at my life as having been full of adventure and fun. Yeah. And this is all before a smartphone that could, you could just Google your way around Saudi Arabia. You had to learn it and try to learn the language. Oh, yeah. And I did. Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum salam. Kif halikum I can say all that. See, I, I had done, done a lot and I still felt really empty. And somebody shared Christ with me and I became a Christian. And actually my life changed completely then. And um, I, I began to really begin to settle down and really look for a purpose. So Elizabeth has a new direction in life. She becomes a writer for Back to the Bible and the director of development for the Open Door Mission. And then her life changed again when she unknowingly met her future co-founder, Ardith Stewarts. I had been asked to speak at a women's retreat for our church. And of course, I had lived this interesting life and had had a big transformation. And so I shared my story. And um, afterwards, one of the girls or a couple of the girls came up and said, you just really need to be meet Ardith. And I said, well, who's Ardith? And they said, oh, she's this woman who spoke last year. And you would have so much in common with her. And I looking back, I think the thing we had most in common was we were older, you know, but at the time, you know, they were, oh, you know, really, you just need to meet Ardith. And so Ardith and I met and we were as different as two people could be, but she was really nice. Well, um, I had decided I wasn't going to stay in Nebraska and I definitely was not going to have a friend because if you have a friend, you kind of get hooked in. And um, it just happened that my father-in-law passed away very suddenly. And the only person who reached out to me after my father-in-law died, before we went to Chicago, was Ardith. And she brought snacks for us for the way up to the, the trip. And um, it was a really touching thing that this person would reach out to me because I hadn't been really friendly and I wasn't really looking to be friends. And um, her gesture of kindness really meant a lot to me. When she did that, I thought, you know, I'll let down my walls. I'll, I'll you know, let her in. Um, and it was one of those things where it just sort of evolved. And so we would talk on the telephone. And, you know, you hear about these long distance romances where people write letters or they talk on the phone, but they never see each other. But they really get to know each other. And Ardith and I got to know each other but it was that kind of a heart love for one another and a concern that was really much deeper than most people ever get to have. It was a friendship that um, that if I, if I have to say one of the things that I will always value in my life is that I have experienced an extremely deep friendship with another woman. So Elizabeth and Arthur grow close and they decide to start their own consulting agency for nonprofits. Their skills complement each other perfectly. Ardith provides the structure and implementation, and Elizabeth provides the strategy and entrepreneurship. 
But a few years after they started, they wanted to run their own business instead of just telling other people how to run theirs. So they started to look for a need that they could fill, and they found it in an unsuspecting place. I was looking around for, okay, what's the need? What's the need? And I bought licorice for my husband, and I took it with us on vacation, and I put it in a dish where he could get it easily, and I watched my sister eat it all. And she said, I never can get licorice. I love licorice. Where did you get it? And I went, wow, licorice. People love licorice and they can't find it. And this was obviously before Amazon. And I knew where I had found it. And I went, wow, all I need to do is find cheap places to get licorice and resell it like dad did. And so that's how Licorice International, the thought came into my mind. So Elizabeth has a light bulb moment. She's been buying licorice from a gentleman named Larry Ring, who started selling the candy at his snack shop in New York City in 1996, after his customers, who worked at the UN headquarters, kept asking for distinctive candies from different countries. Well, it was Elizabeth's mother who first read about the company in a press release in the journal Star in Lincoln. She introduced it to Elizabeth, who jumped at the opportunity. I was buying licorice at Christmas time for my husband from this man out in New York, and he was so grumpy to me. I told him, you'd sell a lot more licorice if you'd be nice to your customers. And he said, well, I don't plan to be nice anytime soon. And I said, well, then sell your business to a nice person. And he said, well, who would that be? And I said, that would be me. And he went, okay. And he sent me a letter the next week and said, this is what I've got, I'll sell it to you. And so Ardith and I, my business partner, we flew out, we signed the dotted line. He sent all the licorice to us along with QuickBooks and names of people that um, he had sold to. And here we are. Just like that. Yeah, and we were in business and we thought we were the, we were the happiest people in the world. We had found our niche and basically what he sold was the concept, the contacts, the customers. And because I was already a direct mail marketing person, I knew how to implement all that. And we sat around artists' dining room table with our press releases and our envelopes and stuff them and then put little teaser copy on it, you know, good news for licorice lovers and invited people to tell our story. And we didn't even have a list of all the newspapers that were in the country. We had to go and hand write out of the library the names and addresses of newspapers. And at that point, we also hired someone to do a little website for us too, because it was 2002, people were starting to do that. And so we got all these press releases out and told people about the, the web and that we were doing this. And all of these newspapers started doing stories on us and we started getting phone calls from all over the country. And we weren't prepared for that. We had a mailbox with space for 20 messages and we were getting hundreds of messages from all over the country. So I, we, were, we were pretty clueless. I mean, like, how, how did this happen? We thought maybe we'd get five phone calls. It was exciting. I mean, what we did worked. Oh my goodness, and this licorice must have been 
delicious. Not only delicious, but we had a passion for it. We were, um, we knew, we knew we were going to make this work and it didn't matter what other people thought. It didn't matter how stupid it sounded. It didn't, nothing mattered. It, I mean, in retrospect, obviously it was a great idea and we made it work. Mm. So, yeah. And like, you've done all these things in your life that some people will be like, you're moving to Saudi Arabia. That's a little out there. And then you pick up licorice. People might've been like, oh, here's another one of Elizabeth's hair adventures. Up. Yeah. Yeah. They did think that they did. I can remember the first time that we actually had a sale. We thought we were millionaires. I mean, it was like we were, we were in business. And did um, you save that check or did you do it? She did. She copied. Oh yes, of course. I mean, I wouldn't have known where the check was. I wouldn't have even been able to find it to cash it. But she not only took a picture of it, I think we framed it. It was all such a, a learning experience, uh, you know, and that was the exciting thing. I can remember the first time we advertised on Google and I said to Artith, you know, I think maybe I could do this on Google. Maybe, do you think it would be okay if we spent $2 a day on our advertising Oh yeah, she thought maybe we could afford that. Well, if we didn't do it on the weekends, it would only be $10 a week. So yeah, maybe we could we could do that. And if we just sold like three bags, that might pay for it. So yeah, okay, let's try that. So we did Google. We didn't know anything. I think our Google ads were like a nickel, a click. Today you'd pay like, I don't know what it would be today, but uh, by the time we stopped, it was well over a dollar a click. Then we decided that we would open a shop because we had all this licorice in our house and the houses all smelled like licorice. So we ended up finding a place in College View and I can remember got it all set up and then we both looked at each other and went, oh, do you think we should open the doors? I mean, like we weren't, we weren't salespeople, we weren't retailers. I mean, we had figured out how to do this online. So we didn't open the doors. And then we figured, well, maybe if we got like $60 a day, we'd be able to pay our rent and then we could shut the doors. But we put out our shingle and the first day that we did that, there were all these men lined up waiting for us to get there with money in their hands. They were dying for licorice and so we opened. You found a need. Yeah, we did. We filled a need. Those men were so happy. <laughs> they, they just... They loved the licorice ladies. Yeah. And again, <laughs> it's about the love between you and Ardeth also, along with the international and the love of licorice. licorice. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. yeah. We really had million dollar branding as the licorice ladies because we always used to go to the gym together uh, before we'd go to the shop. And um, one day, Ardeth didn't go. And I arrived at the gym, and the lady at the desk said, Where's the other licorice lady? And I went, Oh my goodness, we're the licorice ladies. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and suddenly a brand was born. Elizabeth and Arthur were living their dream, but in the late 2000s, a new obstacle came up that threatened small businesses everywhere. It was Amazon.com. Now, close to half of all Amazon sales come through small businesses, so there's a lot of benefit to selling through them, but because they have all of your data, they can copy your product and then undercut you because they're much bigger. Well, in the long run, it's not great for small local businesses. 
The biggest problem for um, people like us was Amazon. I decided I wasn't going to work with Amazon. Amazon contacted us probably three, four times over a period of several years. Uh, did we want to put our product there? We had people uh, contact us. Uh, you know, they wanted to have us drop ship for them. Um, my feeling about that was we're, work, we're the ones doing the work. We're working hard. Why should we give our money to other people? And yeah, maybe you could have made more money and maybe you could have brought in more. You just work a lot harder for other people to, to cut into your profit. And so while some people just swear by Amazon and think it's the best thing that could ever happen to small business, I really wanted to keep ours local. I wanted to make sure that uh, the people who were invested in it, working hard, got the profit from it. I really avoid buying from Amazon if I can buy local. And I think that that's really important for people to remember. It's the local people who make this community what it is. You know, you don't want people taking their media business to New York. You want them to do it right here and, and come to Grindstone. And I think that's the way we need to think as people in Nebraska in particular. Um, one of the things I think about Nebraska is Nebraskans are loyal, they're hardworking, uh, they care about their neighbors, um, they support their neighbors. And I think that's a quality that we should really cultivate and inculcate in the next generation. Wow. And so you really stood up against Amazon for Nebraska and for your community in a sense. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, and I would do it exactly the same way again. Uh, when we had an opportunity with UNL, they did a, um, they wanted to do a research project on name recognition for a marketing program. And so they, um, use Licorice International as their test case. And um, the students found that 42% of the people in Nebraska had heard of Licorice International. That's phenomenal. To have that much brand awareness among a million people, I'd say that's, that's pretty phenomenal. You wouldn't have that in Pennsylvania where I come from, you wouldn't have that in California where you came from. But in Nebraska, you can, you can really make a difference. And that's one of the best things about being here. Over the years, Licorice International has appeared everywhere from Midwest Magazine to Vogue to Food Network Magazine. Martha Stewart did a story on them, and they were even invited to speak at the governor's mansion. Last year, Elizabeth and Ardith finally ended up selling their business to longtime employee Aaron Burianek. And now Elizabeth does freelance direct mail fundraising and PR. I'm JT Martin, and this has been a Grindstone production. Grindstone is one of the premier production and marketing firms here in Lincoln, offering everything you need to grow your business in 2021, from video and podcast production to social media management and media buying. You can learn more by visiting grindstoneagency.com. Is the chicken soup for the soul the thing that you're most looking forward to? No, that isn't the thing I'm looking forward to the most. I'm looking forward to working with Grindstone. That's the best plug you <laughs> give us. Yes, thank you. We're looking forward to working with you too. 